You know, I was studying yesterday and, and I was really just trying to dig in and, and ask God what, what, what I needed to share this morning here in Ben Wheeler with the, with the people that were going to be here. And I believe God gave me a word. And uh, that word is centered around Joshua chapter 3. And I believe that we're on the verge of a breakthrough as a church. Amen. We're on the verge of a breakthrough as a church. And I believe individually there's a lot of people in this room who are on the verge of a breakthrough in their life. Some of us are believing a breakthrough in marriage. Some of us are believing a breakthrough in our job. Some of us are believing a breakthrough in our, in our walk with God, our spirituality. Some of us are believing a breakthrough in the church. Some of us are believing God for a breakthrough in our relationship with our children. Our children. We're believing God for a breakthrough with our children. And I believe we're, we're all right there. And so this morning my title is On the Edge of a Breakthrough. On the Edge of a Breakthrough on the edge of a breakthrough. Amen. And in Joshua chapter 3, the word of God reads like this. Starting in verse 1. The Bible says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan. And they lodged there before they crossed. So they're right there. They're right there. They lodged there before they crossed. In verse 2, at the end of these days, the officers went through the midst of the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. I'm talking to the people who are going to go after it this morning. The destiny chasers. Amen. Come on now. In verse 4, however, there shall be between you and a distance of 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you will go. For you have not passed this way before. You haven't been here before. Amen. In verse 5, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And I believe this morning we ain't got to wait till tomorrow. I believe the Lord wants to do some wonders this morning in this church, in your hearts, in the lives of the believers here at Victory Life. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that encourages, your word that strengthens, your word that brings about a spirit of perseverance to get through the trials that you take us through in this life. God, I thank you for your word this morning, Father. Allow your word to impact the people that are here in this church this morning, Father. Lord, we're believing you for a breakthrough, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And all the saints said? Amen. So we're talking about on the edge of a breakthrough. As we know that these people have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. This is God's people. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And the Bible says the generation that was on this edge before, they all had to die off. The doubt had to die off. The, oh, I hit him. The unbelief had to die off. That wasn't personal, brother. The doubt had to, to die off. The unbelief had to die off. And so... And we see here 40 years later, we have God's people again who are on the edge. They're right here on the edge of a breakthrough. And between them and the promised land, which God promised them, there's a river called the Jordan. And this Jordan River wasn't just a little old river. It was a mile long river with brush and jungle. And at this time where God's people was lodged on the opposite side of the promised land, the river was overflowing. It was at flood level. 
And so these people come, and, and they're right here. They're on the edge of a breakthrough. They're on the edge of getting to the promised land. They're on the edge. They're so close. They're right there to getting what God has promised them. They're on the edge of a breakthrough. And so what is a breakthrough? Well, a breakthrough is a victory. Somebody say victory. victory. A breakthrough is a victory over or through a wall or anything that presents a united front of opposition against you and the will of God for your life. How many of you know that there's always something that's going to come against you as you go forward with God? Amen. And everyone, I'm talking everyone, is going to come to a point in your life where you need a breakthrough. I've been at points in my life where I need a breakthrough. The normal schedule, the normal routine, it just ain't cutting it for me. I need a breakthrough in my life. I need God to show up and show out and speak. I need God to do something miraculous for me. The normal, the, the stuff, the normal stuff, it's not working no more. And I believe there's some people in here this morning that that's where you're at. You need a breakthrough. You're believing God for a breakthrough. You need it. Everyone needs a breakthrough at times in their lives. You're not going to come in this thing called Christianity and get to a point where you don't need a breakthrough. Amen. Amen. Your comfort is not going to push you through your breakthrough. Your security is not going to push you through your breakthrough. The normal schedule that you're used to is not going to push you through your breakthrough. And every one of us will come to a place in our lives where we face something that presents itself as opposition between us and the promises of God. But the good news is, our God is the God of breakthrough. Amen. Amen. And we see here these, these, in, in Joshua chapter 3, the people of Israel, God's people, they're lodged on the opposite side of the promised land. And what's between them is the Jordan. And what's unique about this is the children of Israel, God's people, this is a familiar place for them. Because how many of you know, 40 years ago, God's people was in this place right here on the opposite side of the promised land, and the only thing between them was the Jordan. Amen? The Bible says in Deuteronomy, I believe it's Deuteronomy 1, they came to a place, they were traveling to the promised land, they, had, they, had, they, had, they encountered God in Mount Sinai, right? They come and they experienced God, they encountered God, God refreshed them, God touched them, God spoke a word, God raised up a leader through Moses, God's anointing was on the pack, God, it was on them, they encountered God, they had an 11 days journey, they were headed towards the promised land, and the Bible says they came to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And this, this Kadesh Barnea, it translates in Hebrew to holy wanderings, because these people knew God. These people knew God. They encountered God. They experienced God. But guess what kept them out? Their doubt, their unbelief, their own sin. It kept them from getting through the, break, the breakthrough. It was an 11 days journey. And all they had to do is go through the breakthrough to the promised land. But they had a faith failure. Somebody say faith failure. Faith failure. They had a faith failure. Amen. And God will always bring you to the edge of your Jordan. Amen. But the question is, are you going to follow God through the breakthrough? And every one of us have a Jordan in our life. Amen. And I'm not talking about the retros, right? I'm talking about the Jordan River. And let me give you a few facts. Look, right on the edge of your breakthrough, your faith will be tested. Luke chapter 5, verse 3. Right on the edge of your breakthrough, right before you break through, your faith will be tested. You can write it down, you can believe it, memorize it, hold on to it. Your faith will be tested. Amen? Luke chapter 5, verse 3. 
we pick up on the story of one of the disciples. And it says, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land, and he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, this is what, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, I know, you, I know you've done this before this way. I know you've been doing this. But listen, Simon, I'm giving you a word right now. I'm giving you instruction right now. I'm giving you direction right now. And Jesus said to let out the net. And Simon says this, Master, we worked hard all night and we caught nothing. Toiling in vain, working in vain. In vain. But this, this, this is what, this is what uh, saved him right here. He says, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. In verse 6, and when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish that their nets began to break. They've been doing it all night this way and they got nothing. Jesus shows up on the scene, the scene and he said, hey, just do what I say. Even though it hadn't worked before, even though you failed before, even though it hadn't gone the way you planned, just do what I say, Peter. His faith was being tested and he responded with faith and he did what Jesus said and there was a breakthrough. It said he had so much that his nets began to break. And right on the edge of a breakthrough, your faith's going to be tested too. Amen? Look, right on the edge of a breakthrough, 1 Corinthians 16.9, right on the edge of a breakthrough, there's going to be extreme adversity. There's going to be extreme adversity. I was studying this yesterday, and I've never read this before. I've never read this before. So when I read this, it, it, it excited me. It amazed me. I'm like, wow, this makes so much sense. Because you know, you hear a say victory life all the time. Before God moves, the devil's going to hit. And after God moves, the devil's going to hit. And we always say that, and we go by that, and we believe it because through, through experience, we know that to be true. Because how many know every time before God's going to do a great move, it's like all chaos breaks out. When heaven's right around the corner, hell is ever present in your life. In 1 Corinthians 16.9, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. This is right here. Right on the edge of a breakthrough, there's going to be extreme adversity. And it says this, Paul says this, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me. A door, look, woo, a door was open for Paul. There was, look, Paul was believing for, for the, he was believing for it. He was wanting to break through. He knew what God had promised. He knew God was going to do it. And the Bible says God opened up a door for this man. And it wasn't just no regular door, no normal door. It was a door for effective service. It was a door he'd been believing God for. And the Bible says it was open to him. And then look what it says. And there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. Because how many of you know when God opens a door, hell is there ready to rush you from going in? Yeah. Uh -huh. When God opens a door, there's going to be all kinds of adversity in your life. There's going to be all kinds of adversity. And I believe God's opening some doors around here. I believe God's opening some doors individually. God's opening some doors corporately. God's opening some doors. We're on the edge of a breakthrough. I'm saying we have a secondary worship team right here. Amen. We never had that before. God's raising up men. God, God is doing a, he's breaking through for Victory Life. We have a second campus. I mean, what God's doing right now, it's miraculous. It's awesome. And he's doing it through some men who used to struggle with drug addiction, alcoholism, homelessness, who used to live a lifestyle of sin and have been forever changed by the power of God. Call us foolish. We may be foolish, but we know God. 
Amen. It says there was a door that was opened. It didn't say he walked through the door and all adversity came. It said there was a door that was open for him. And before he had the opportunity to walk in, adversity had come. I'm telling you, it's not a game. There is a real enemy just as there is a real God. And that real enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He was a murderer from the beginning and he is the father of lies. So the devil, where does he hit us? He hits us in the mind. So when God has an opportunity right around the corner for us, he's about to open up a door. We're about to break through. Guess what? There is going to be all out war in your mind. There is going to be all out warfare in your mind. And if you've been serving God in the flesh, if you've been chasing after Jesus in the flesh, just like in Galatia, the church of Galatia, Paul said, oh, you foolish Galatians, who trained you like this? Who brought you up like this in the ways of the Lord? You can't follow Jesus in the flesh. You can't serve God in the flesh. You can't do what God's asking out of your life in the flesh. And when you've been doing it in the flesh, when the enemy just comes, says, boo, you're not used to spiritual warfare. And now you can't even recognize the enemy that you're fighting. And when you can't recognize the enemy that you're fighting, you don't realize there's an enemy. Amen. You don't realize there's an enemy. And where does the enemy hit you? He hits you in your mind. So when God has an opportunity for you right around the corner, there's going to be all out warfare in your mind. Amen. But this is the church. This is when we got to stand. We got to be planted and we got to know who our God is and we got to know who we are in relation to our God. We are God's children. And the Bible says that we have to pull down every stronghold and we have to take captive every thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Why do you think the scriptures over and over talk about the mind? Renew your mind. Protect your mind. Don't let just anything go inside of you because there's war right here in your mind. If you were at war with an enemy, you wouldn't go give that enemy ammunition and weapons, would you? Would you? But sometimes the things we feed on and the things we let into our eyes and into our ears... The things we let into our heart, we're just giving the enemy ammunition. Huh? We're giving the enemy ammunition. We got to guard what we got. Somebody say, I'm going to guard what I got. We got to guard what we got. There's something special inside each and every one of you. There's something valuable inside each and every one of you. It's worth more than any amount of gold, any amount of silver, any amount of money. I don't care how many Bugattis you're talking about. What's inside of you is so special. And we got to guard it. We have to guard it. Amen. We got to guard it. I remember growing up, there was something that, 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 was really, uh, that was really special to me. All right. I grew up out in a small town in Lone Oak, a little small country town. And, you know, at the young age, I was into the, you know, the Pokemon and all that stuff. And I remember I had one of these little Pokemon figures my mom had died, uh, bought me. I was like five years old. And I got on the bus with this Pokemon figure, right? It's Pikachu, right? Little Pikachu. And I got on the bus with this little Pikachu. And I remember my, my parents had given it to me as a gift. And they didn't give me no instruction about it. And they hey, don't take it to school. Don't do this. You know, I didn't, they didn't give me no instruction. So I took this little Pikachu with me on the bus to school. And I remember specifically this kid trying to beat me up and take it from me. And that was my Pikachu. 
That was my Pikachu. It was special to me. It was valuable to me. And do you know what I did? I didn't let him have Miss Pikachu. I held on to Pikachu and I fought and I held on and I fought. I didn't care if I was coming home with a bloody nose. I wasn't letting the enemy take it from me. And sometimes I don't get it. I don't understand it. Why do we have to teach you to fight for what's inside of you, to fight for what's valuable to you, to fight for what's, what's worthy to you? We shouldn't have to teach you to fight for it. But for some reason we are. We're having to share with you. Hey, you got to fight. You got to pray. You got to war. You got to study. This don't come easy. There's an enemy. And we keep having to say it. And we keep having to say it. But it shouldn't be like that. At some point, we should mature in God. We should grow in Christ. At some point, there's got to be a level of maturity that takes place in our life. And we realize that we're in a spiritual war. And we, without somebody telling us, will do what we need to do to be successful in this spiritual war. Nobody had to tell me to fight for Pikachu. Amen? It was something innate. It was something inside of me. I knew it was valuable to me. And I wasn't letting nobody take it. The Holy Spirit inside of you, it should be valuable to you. Your relationship with Jesus, it should be valuable to you. The anointing God has placed on your life, it should be valuable to you. And nobody should have to constantly tell you to fight for it. Amen? But we are. We're in a spiritual war. Amen. And right on the edge of a breakthrough, right on the edge of a breakthrough, there's going to be extreme adversity. Look, right on the edge of a breakthrough, there's going to be extreme warfare, saints. There's going to be extreme warfare right before the breakthrough happens. Amen. Right before the breakthrough. I remember every time looking back in the experience of my ministry and God using my life and looking back, walking through victory life. Every time before God did something radical in my life, there was all out war in my mind. There was all that war in my mind. Amen. There is no progress without resistance. There's no progress without resistance. And this is what we got to understand. And th this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm learning. Th that warfare and adversity, it actually, what it, what it does is it increases the capacity that you have to handle the promise that God is trying to give you. You're not hearing me. The, the, what you're going through, the pressure, the trial, the tribulation, what the, the warfare in your mind, all this that you're experiencing, it is increasing the capacity that you have to handle the blessing that God has for you. Jesus said it like this. This is what Jesus was saying. He said, listen, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. And some of us got some old wineskins, but we're believing God for the new wine. And God is saying, listen, I'm, I'm having to stretch you right now. I'm having to mature you. I'm taking you through some trials, some tribulation, right? There's some warfare going on in your mind because I'm trying to stretch you and get you ready for the blessing that I have for you. The promise which is over your life. And all it does is it increases the capacity to handle the promise. Amen? And right on the edge of a breakthrough, listen, saints, right on the edge of a breakthrough it is very common to have a breakdown. Uh, right before the breakthrough, it is so common to have a breakdown. And dealing with the people we deal with, it's almost uh, a guarantee that there's going to be a breakdown before a breakthrough. Amen? It's not nothing uh, unordinary. It's not nothing special, right? Don't, don't consider it a strange thing. When you start tripping before the breakthrough... 
Amen? It's common to experience a breakdown before the breakthrough. But I learned a long time ago that if I just stand, God will get me through it. If I just stand, stand on what I know, stand on what I believe, stand on who I am in relation to who God is. If I just stand. Amen? But these people in Joshua 3, they're right on the edge of a breakthrough. They're right there. The promised land is right there. They heard their fathers talking about it growing up for years. We were right there. We were so close. And at this point, there had been a shift in leadership. There had been a shift in the people. Joshua was raised up. Moses was gone. And there had been new people. There had been new leadership. Everything was new. And God has given the word to Joshua to take these people into the promised land. But the people before 40 years ago, they forfeited their promise. Check this out. They were still God's people. God still provided for them. God was still with them. But they forfeited the promise. They never made it into the promised land. Listen, saints, one of the worst things in this life is to never discover your destiny. But do you know what's worse than that? To discover your destiny and forfeit it. To discover, to, to really know what God's calling you to do and forfeit it. To really know who God's destined you to be and you forfeit it. See, it's a bad thing to never discover your destiny, but it's way more tragic of a thing to, to discover it and forfeit it. And that's what these people did. Amen? But this morning, I'd like to preach to the people who know they have a God-given destiny over their life. I'm talking, I want to preach to the people who want everything that God has for them in their life. I want to preach to the people who don't want to give up, who don't want to give in and want to go all the way for God. That's the people who I want to preach to this morning. Has God, has God promised you anything? Has God put a blessing over your life? Has he shown you your destiny? This is who I'm preaching to this morning. Is there anyone in here who refuses to settle for less than what God has destined for you? Is there anyone in here that has made up their mind that they're going into the promised land? Well, if you have, let me tell you something. Every promise comes with a price. Every promise comes with a price. And I'm young in this thing, six and a half years, but I'm telling you, I've seen it time and time and time again. There are no shortcuts in this thing. There are no shortcuts with God. There are no shortcuts. Huh? There are no shortcuts. Every promise comes with a price. Every time. Saints, there's no victory without a fight. There's no testimony without a test. There's no crown without a cross. There is no resurrection without a crucifixion. There is no healing without first having a sickness. There is no deliverance without the fire of God. Every promise has a price. Brother, there's something you're going to have to go through to get your promise. Uh -huh. we, all, we all just want all the blessings, but we don't want no responsibility. There's something you're going to have to go through for the promise. Think about it. Throughout the Bible, every man of God, Abraham, he had to leave everything behind and even be willing to sacrifice his son for what? For the promise. Moses had to spend years in the wilderness with his father-in-law. I'd really be debating, is this worth it? 
Joseph, he went to the pit. He went to the prison. Why? For the promise. Jesus went to the cross. Why? For the promise. Everybody's just sleeping. Oh, God's promised it to me. I'm going to get it. But we don't want to go through nothing to get there. Huh? Every promise comes with a price. And between the children of Israel and their inheritance, their promise, their promised land, there was a river called the Jordan, right? And, and if you look through Hebrew culture and their songs and even Psalms, the Jordan, it actually means descender or one that takes you down, right? And that's what Jordan tends to do. It, take, it, it tends to take you down. It tends to kill your dreams. It kills to, to drown your faith, to inject you with doubt, to inject you with unbelief. That's what your Jordan is destined to do to try and keep you from getting to the promised land, we all have a Jordan. We all come to a point in our life where there's a Jordan that's between us and the promise that God has for us. And even in most songs in that Hebrew culture back then, the Jordan was used to describe death. Amen? And I promise you, there's a Jordan in each and every one of our lives. And my Jordan may look different than your Jordan, but the Jordan still stands between me and my promise and you and your promise. And the only way to get across the Jordan is by faith. Is by faith. You can't float over on your feelings, sister. Brother, you can't float over on your past experiences. And I promise you, you can't get through on your own knowledge. And I'm here to guarantee religion won't get you through. It won't float you across the Jordan. It won't get you there. Religion won't do it. The only thing that will help you get across the Jordan is a living faith and a living God. That's the only thing. The children of Israel were on the edge of a breakthrough. And you know what Joshua told them? Joshua told them, start walking. Start walking. Start moving in the direction of your promise. Amen. God promised me that, that he was going to raise me up to be a pastor. He was going to give me a family. And he was going to use my life to prophesy, to preach, to teach, and to reach people for his kingdom. That's what he promised me. He promised me that. And so you know what I started doing? I didn't say, you know what? I'm out, Pastor Raymond. I got to go chase this promise. I started doing all the things that a pastor does right where I was at. I started preaching. I started teaching. I started evangelizing. I started doing these things right where I was at. Amen? And that's how you begin to chase your destiny. That's how you chase your promise. You don't have to wait until you get and you all fancy and you got everything your own and everything's good. You can start doing what God's called you to do right where you're at. Amen. I promise you, David, he was doing the same thing in the pasture as he was when he was in the high office in the kingdom. He was taking care of the sheep. Amen. But this is what Joshua told him. He said, listen, it's time to get your feet wet. It's time to get your feet wet. Look to your neighbor and say, it's time to get your feet wet. It's time to get your feet wet. And so we have this picture. We have God's people on the opposite side of the promised land. And the only thing between them and their promise is the Jordan River. And the Jordan River, it's raging. Its waters are overflowing. I read that its currents could reach up to 40 miles an hour when it floods. This was the river between them and the promised land. And it had thick jungle, it had thicket all in it. It wasn't just like a river you go swimming in. There was jungle and there was thicket and briars and, and brush and all kinds of stuff in the river. Right? We don't get, you know, we don't get to the Jordan and go swimming. Amen. We get to the Jordan believing God that God's going to get us through it. And the banks, it swelled a mile across and, and, and the depth was ranging from three foot to 12 foot deep. 
three foot to 12 foot deep. It was raging. It was a mile long, right? And the Bible says that they got right to the edge of the Jordan, right on the edge of a breakthrough, and it says they spent three days and three nights camped beside the Jordan. And could you imagine all the confidence just windling away, sitting on this side of the Jordan, knowing that you have to get across there to get your promise? And all their confidence just windling away. And I believe it's easy for some of us to relate some of our personal Jordans. Because what's keeping us from the promise, it seems so permanent. It seems so powerful. It, it, it looks like there's no opportunity to cross to get there. Like we don't have the ability to get across it. And it's real easy to be stalemated by something great with God, by Jordan. But I believe we serve a God who can turn a no way into a highway to a promise. Amen? That's the God we serve. And so number one, my first point, listen, in Joshua 3 and verse 2 through 4. Number one, we have to follow God through your breakthrough. You have to follow God through your break, breakthrough. Joshua 3, 2 through 4. And the word of God says this. At the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp and they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. And so what is this? The, the, Joshua isn't saying, hey, listen, we're going to get to the edge and you're going to go after the promised land. He's not saying that. You're going to get to the edge and you're going you're gonna to go after the promise. What he's saying is you're going to get to the edge and the Ark of the Covenant is going to enter the river first and you're going to chase the Ark of the Covenant. You're going to go after the Ark of the Covenant. In verse 4, however, there shall be between you and a distance about 2,000 cubits by measure... Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. And so what was the ark? Well, the ark was the Old Testament equivalent to the New Testament Jesus. You see, the ark had the stone ten commandments, which represented what? The law of God. The ark had the jar of manna, which represented what? The provision of God. The ark had the staff of Aaron, which represented what? The power of God. And the ark was also covered by the mercy seat. And that was where God's presence rested. And think about it. Jesus, he came and he fulfilled the law. Jesus, he is the bread of life. Jesus, he was the resurrection and the power over death and hell. And Jesus was God's mercy and grace towards mankind. The ark was the Old Testament equivalent to the New Testament Jesus. The Bible is telling us you don't have to chase the promise. You don't have to chase the breakthrough. Just follow God's presence and it'll get you through to the promised land. It will break you through the Jordan River to the promised land. All you have to do is follow Jesus and he will lead you through the breakthrough. All you got to do is follow Jesus. Amen? And the Bible tells these men... To not even go near it so you can know which way to go because you haven't traveled this way before. Amen? Some of us want to get ahead of the presence of God. Some of us want to get ahead of Jesus in our life. And we get there and we don't have what we need to do what God's asking us to do. We're not qualified. Why? Because we tried to get ahead of God. The only thing that qualifies us to do what we're called to do is God. Amen? And you don't even have to be worried about how you're going to get there. Just follow Jesus and let him guide you to it. 
Just follow Jesus and let him guide you to it. And number two, you got to consecrate yourself. You got to consecrate yourself. In verse 5, chapter 3, verse 5, the word of God says this. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And so Joshua telling the people to consecrate themselves. And this word consecrate, it means to prepare, to dedicate, to be hallowed, to be holy, to be separate, or to be set apart. And the Bible is telling us here, if we're to cross the uncrossable to the promised land, not only do we have to wait on Jesus and follow Jesus, but we have to make sure our heart is wholly devoted to God. We have to consecrate ourselves. And one of the primary reasons Israel found its way blocked 40 years ago was because of sin. They weren't able to cross because of sin. And yes, brothers and sisters, repentance is still a main asset in authentic Christianity. Amen. Believe it or not. Amen? Believe it or not, repentance is one of the keys in following God. Repentance. And right on the edge of the breakthrough, you know what God was doing? He wanted to make sure His people were right with him, and not only right with him, wholly devoted to him. Right on the edge of the breakthrough. And not only did consecrate mean to get right with God and to make sure you're wholly devoted to God, but consecrated back then, it also involved things like washing your clothes, abstaining from sexual relations, changing your work schedule, and other things like this. You see, these people, they deliberately interrupted the normal functions and their normal schedule to be spiritually alert when God was ready to move them. Because sometimes our schedule, the, the, the normal of life, keeps us from being alert to what God is doing in our life. It's the routine, it's the schedule, it's the, it's the, it's the normality. These things actually keep us because we get so locked in a routine and so locked into a schedule that we're not even alert to what God is doing in our life. And this is what consecrate means. And I hate it because sometimes in my life, my schedule makes me miss the supernatural. My schedule makes me miss the spiritual. My schedule makes me miss what God is doing. I can't even see it. I can't even understand it. Amen? And number three, Joshua 3, 7. Joshua 3, 7 through 13. Number three is step out. Somebody say step out, step out. and stand still. Stand still. Step, out step out and stand still. Stand still. Joshua 3, 7 through 13. And the word of God reads... It says, now the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. That is a lot of ites. And verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. 
Now then take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes, the tribes of Israel. And it shall come about when the soles of, your, of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the earth, rest in the waters. The waters will be cut off, which are flowing down from above, stand in one place. And so what is, what is Joshua telling the people to do? He's saying you got to step out into the Jordan. you got to step out into the unknown. You have to follow Jesus, consecrate yourself. And not only do you step out, but you stand still once you've stepped out. You see, faith is not only moving, but it's moving in God's timing. That's where a lot of us get it wrong. Faith is not only moving, but it's moving in God's timing. And the Bible says these people were to step out and stand still until the right time to follow God through the breakthrough came. Amen? It called them to get their feet wet. It called them to take a step of faith. Worship team, you can come up. Listen, focusing on the Lord is essential and consecrating yourself is vital. But if you're ever to cross the Jordan in your life, you have to have faith. You have to have faith. I had so many people in my life, I had so many people in my life tell me that I was never going to get nowhere by going to the Victory Life home. I had so many people in my life tell me I was never going to become a pastor by staying in the Victory Life home. I had so many people tell me I was never going to get anywhere with God by coming to the home and just serving in the home. I had so many people in my life talking, chattering, chattering, going to doing their own thing, trying to make it happen on their own, telling me I was a fool for coming to the home, telling me I was a fool for coming to the ministry, telling me I was a fool for getting under Pastor Raymond, telling me I was a fool for getting, getting uh, my attached to this church out here in Victory Life and Ben Wheeler. They told me I was a fool. But if you look at me today, the faith that I had to stay in the home and let God do a work in my life is what caused me to get me to where I am today. It was the faith. It was the faith. You know, you hear Pastor Raymond talk about, you know, he had the faith to step out and do what he, do, do what he did. Despite the persecution, despite the tribulation, despite the trial, well, I can flip it on you. I had the faith to stay in the ministry and let God develop me in order to launch me into my destiny. That's the kind of faith I had. And everyone, they talk against it persecute me. I remember people in my life that said they loved me and they cared about me. They would talk down about what I was doing for God in the home. And if I were to listen to those people, I guarantee you I wouldn't be ordained as a pastor. I guarantee you I would not be happily married. I guarantee you I would not have an opportunity to preach the gospel like I do. I guarantee that I would not be doing ministry. But despite all that, I had faith to stand still where God placed me and let him develop me. Let him develop me. You see, we get it twisted. We, we think that we, we have to go get it. We have to have the faith to step outside of the counsel God has given us, outside of the accountability God has given us to get away from our pastor and go get it. That's not true. Maybe God wants you to have the faith to stand still where he's placed you in order to launch you into your destiny. That's faith. That's faith. Stand to your feet. That's faith. First Chronicles 14. First Chronicles 14 verse 11. The 
Word of God says this. It says, so they came up to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them from there. And David said, God has broken through. Somebody say, broken through. God has broken through my enemies by my hand like the breakthrough of the waters. There's the breakthrough of the waters. Therefore, they named that place Baal-perazim. And I looked it up. You know what that translates to? It translates to the God of the breakthroughs. The God of the breakthroughs. And there have been times in my life that if God hadn't brought a breakthrough, I probably wouldn't be here today. But I'm telling you, if all hell is present in your life, it's because heaven's right around the corner. Every door that God opens comes with many adversaries. So stand still and have faith and follow Jesus through your breakthrough. This altar is going to be open if you just want to come hit your knees. You want to pray to God. God's on the move. Amen.